UNICEF is the United Nations Agency for Children. UNICEF works across more than 190 countries and territories to do whatever it takes to help children survive, thrive, and fulfill their potential from early childhood through adolescence. Welcome to Parenting Refreshed, an original podcast from UNICEF that explores the impact of the COVID pandemic on parents, caregivers, and children. From mental health, education and technology, to climate change, war, and the health issues of tomorrow. Each episode features experts in that field informing us about the latest information that science and experience has to offer. That is why UNICEF Parenting brings together some of the world's leading experts to share facts, helpful tips, and practical guidance. Information that parents can trust to help give their children the best start in life. Head to unicef.org forward slash parenting. Today, we're with Dr. Angus Thompson, who's going to be discussing the science around immunization. How to spot misinformation and disinformation and what those terms mean. So let's meet him. My name is Dr. Angus Thompson. I'm a scientist and, and a father. I trained as a molecular geneticist and have studied the behavior of some of the viruses that can make us very sick. Then the vaccines, which can protect us from those viruses and, and other nasty bugs. And for the last 15 years or so, I've been working to understand why public health authorities, health professionals and others have been failing to communicate on vaccines, on immunisation in a way which answers people's, especially parents, questions, which allays their concerns and fears and, and motivates them to protect their children. And talking to Dr. Angus Thompson is Brazilian paediatrician with the specialization in infectious disease, Dr. Melissa Palmieri. My name is Melissa Palmieri. I am a pediatrician with a specialization in infectious disease. I fell in love with immunization. It's something I really love to work with prevention. I focus my career on vaccine. And then I started together with pediatrician talking about the importance, how to talk to the parents about getting the vaccine to achieve the goal to prevent the whole family. So let's start by looking at how attitudes to immunization have changed globally in a world transformed by the COVID-19 pandemic. First of all, my experience as a parent through the pandemic, I think, has been the same experience as, as parents around the world. I've shared these uh, seemingly endless waves of anxiety and uncertainty and fear that, that a pandemic brings. I've been beset by a thousand questions. How do I best keep my family safe? Are my kids better off at school or at home? When will vaccines be available for me, for my parents, for my children? And the problem has been that 
the information ecosystem where we all go to find reliable information to inform our, our decisions has been polluted, flooded by a tsunami of misinformation. That's made it even harder for me and for everybody to figure out what's true, what we should be doing, who we should be believing. As a parent and as a scientist, I've also seen through the pandemic, people become more familiar and, and more interested in vaccines for both good and bad. Good because many now understand better why we vaccinate and what we vaccinate against, how vaccines work to protect the vaccinated, but also the unvaccinated, those people who can't be vaccinated. And the pandemics really highlighted the importance of immunization, bringing global attention, but importantly, attention of the attention of parents to its, its power, the power of vaccines to prevent death and illness. As a, an immunization professional, what concerns me terribly is the, the dramatic decrease in immunization rates in children that we've seen through the pandemic and now the associated outbreaks of some devastating preventable diseases not being prevented because children potentially miss their vaccines during the pandemic. Indeed, we've lost all the gains we made over the last 10 years in terms of the number of kids around the world who were being protected against diseases by vaccination. Every year we still miss around 17 million kids. That's a lot. One estimate suggests that that number, 17 million, was in fact closer to 30 million during the pandemic. And now we have even more children who have no protection whatsoever who have not received a single vaccine, and many, many more who may have missed one or, or several crucial doses of vaccine, which means that they're vulnerable to some of these terrible diseases. Dr. Palmieri, or perhaps I can call you Melissa because we're colleagues and friends, first of all, the impact that we've seen on general public understanding and trust of vaccines. So... What we've seen across many countries around the world, and that's the view that I have in my work, is that in some countries, trust has gone up in vaccines and public confidence in vaccines has gone up. And in other countries, it's gone down. And it seems to be related to the level of trust that the public have in the health services and the government, rather than specific questions around vaccine efficacy or safety or fear of needles, etc. What have you seen in Brazil in terms of the impact of the, this pandemic on public trust? Brazil has a long story since the beginning of the National Immunization Program. Unfortunately, in Brazil, the last four years, the confidence of the population went down. We have a successful history in Brazil. We have the National Immunization Program. But during these four years, we have been facing problems. Vaccine hesitancy has increased. People are really afraid of the safety. But we need to address their concerns. And if we cannot communicate well, we lose the confidence. Because certainly without... Public trust, we don't have public health. We don't have um, high immunization rates and effective public health programs. We have seen in other countries governments that 
manage that early situation by being very transparent with the public, communicating regularly about what they did know, but also what about what they didn't know until we started to have the vaccines and then they continued to communicate on the vaccines, on why this certain population were getting them first. As we start to have pockets of children who are not protected against some of these diseases by vaccines, we're seeing outbreaks. We're seeing outbreaks of measles in, in Zimbabwe that's killing hundreds of people and it's a, it's a preventable disease. As a paediatrician, could you tell us about a, a couple of the diseases that vaccines protect us against? Yeah, we had an outbreak here in Brazil before the pandemic with measles. We have four states here which still circulated the virus. The problem here is that children were not able to get access on immunization in several diseases like polio. It's another disease that we really need to focus. Brazil, it's free of uh, polio. It's been 32 years without circulating polio in Brazil. It, it would be catastrophic if the virus get inside the country again. And we have 70% of children immunize it. We need over 90%. And I do believe campaigns uh, of communication, one that it's really well done is talking to the parents. You cannot paralyze children's dreams. So it's a really strong, powerful sentence talking about prevention of poliomyelitis. Another disease, diphtheria, rotavirus. Rotavirus is interesting because it's the only vaccine. If you don't take the first dose until three months, you are not able to start the schedule. It's the only vaccine. If you lose the right time of doing, you are not able to do children dying with diarrhea, dehydration, and hepatitis A and hepatitis B. So several countries with sanitary problems can see children facing a, a real trouble. Okay, it's rare, 1%. And that is a, an amazing vaccine. More than 90% efficacy because, as you said, a lot of children didn't get the immunization for their age. So you've talked about polio, which can leave children paralyzed for life, unable to walk properly or play properly ever again. You've talked about diphtheria that can cause this horrible membrane in kids' throats where they, they, they almost suffocate. Measles, people think measles might be mild, but we know it can cause the brain to swell and middle infection and, and can, can kill some children. Rotavirus can cause diarrhea. The hepatitis viruses can cause swelling of the liver. So we have vaccines against many, many different diseases. And what I hear from you is that these diseases are never going away. So we have to keep our defenses up all the time because if we let our defenses down, the diseases seem to find a hole in the fence. I wanted to just talk a little bit about how vaccines work. And, and we hear about herd immunity or community immunity. But it really is this, that, that, that the diseases are always out there. And if we don't 
keep a level of protection, a number of kids protected, then there are those who are not protected, whether they missed vaccines for for the reasons that we've heard about during the pandemic, or they couldn't be vaccinated because their immune systems aren't functioning as, as effectively as they should. If we don't have enough people vaccinated, then the viruses can find these susceptible people. So that's how vaccines work within a population. How do vaccines work inside us? Yes, it's important for parents to understand that the vaccine, it's a really great tool that can teach our body to recognize the germ against the disease that the vaccine is made for. They do that by putting a tiny piece of the germ that causes the illness you need protection from. If you ever, ever come into a contact with the illness, your body knows exactly what to do, which stops you from getting sick. Mm. Usually after injecting, some people face small adverse reactions like inflammation, uh, pain, 48 hours, 72 hours, and usually it's mild It's not something that parents should be worried. And even a child that doesn't experience this type of adverse reaction, it's okay because the immune system is working as well. So this is how the vaccine can work. And it's really important for us to understand the whole process. That's a really nice description. Parents often have questions about the safety of vaccines. And you raised a very important point. We often confuse the very severe but very, very, very rare events that may occur with a vaccine with these more common events that happen usually at the site of injection, you know, a little bit of swelling, redness, some fever. And it's important to understand that they're two very different things. And when you're experiencing those mild local reactions, it's actually showing you that the vaccine's working inside you. You also noted that vaccines can't themselves cause the disease because we never have the whole virus or the whole bacteria, the whole bug in there. So it's impossible for them to actually cause the disease. That doesn't happen with almost all of the vaccines. If only everything in life was as safe as vaccine. You're listening to UNICEF Parenting Refreshed, a series of podcasts looking at different aspects of parenting in a world transformed by the COVID-19 pandemic. We're currently looking at parenting and immunization with scientist Dr. Angus Thompson and pediatrician Dr. Melissa Palmieri. And we're going to talk about myths and disinformation and how the family can be the first line of defense in helping to prevent the spread of disease. Just a reminder, that if you're affected or curious about any of the issues we're discussing, then please head to unicef.org forward slash parenting for support, advice, and more podcast episodes like this one. I wanted to step back and continue to think about the impact of COVID-19 on vaccination, on immunization taking the lens as, as a parent, because as I've already mentioned, I'm father to three girls. Um, one of the things that I struggled with through the pandemic 
was finding the right information, the kind of information that I'm hearing from you as a pediatrician right now, the information that addressed the questions that I had. And, and one of the reasons was that many governments were not providing enough information rapidly enough, the kinds of information that was answering people's questions. But another was misinformation. Yeah. I've been studying it for a few years now. And one very important difference that I, I always want parents to understand is that misinformation is, is wrong information. It's confusing. It's out there and it gets in the way. But disinformation is something altogether different. It's been carefully designed or engineered by people to get our attention, to get us to click on it, to get us to share it. And it's designed to do that because the people who create disinformation are very, very often making a lot of money out of it. And we see that misinformation travels across borders, um, but often stays within linguistic or language borders. What kinds of misinformation were you hearing from parents through the pandemic the number one, when we talk about misinformation, as you said, it's something unintentionally. It's like your aunt during the pandemic sent to you, oh, you know, you should eat a lot of garlic, then you will be protected by the virus. But the disinformation, as you said, is intentionally. I really like to talk about the three Ps. People are looking for power politics and profits, you need to have a critical sense to understand they are made up a story, a really good one, to sell something, especially in Brazil, we had a lot of with the therapies around coronavirus. Since the beginning, like uh, hydroxychloroquine, nitazoxanide, and a lot of people died using ivermectin because they said that once in a week, it could have fine against the virus. A lot of people earn a lot of money with this disinformation. When you are talking about fake news, usually they put some kind of conspiracy theories, like, you know, they made up the virus and now they are earning a lot of money. That's why they want you to take the vaccine because they want to control your life. They are putting a chip inside of you. You need to question everything that you consume. You need to question about the food that you are eating. Why not question the information that you are receiving? What you've just discussed is, on the one hand, scary and upsetting and makes us think there's nothing we can do about it. But we now know that you've given us some of the key clues to what we can actually do to counteract mis- and disinformation. First of all, I want to go back to what you said earlier on. This is not some benign problem. Okay, when people are being told to eat garlic or have a healthier lifestyle, that's fine. If they're not getting vaccinated because they're doing those things, then it's not fine because they're not protecting themselves and their family against diseases like COVID-19. But what we've seen is even more malicious impacts of misinformation. You mentioned drugs that people took 
they took because of the misinformation and they literally led to death. So we know that disinformation can lead to serious consequences for families. So what can we do about it? Melissa mentioned that the disinformation is well-constructed. They know what they're doing when they make it. We've heard about their malicious intentions, the three Ps. I say monetize, polarize, politicize, profits, power, and politics. It's always the same thing. But they're also using cunning, clever, deceitful tactics or tricks to get us to read what they post, to share what they post, to maybe even believe what they post. Although they don't really care if we believe it or not, they just want us to click on the ads on their website. So we've got a really exciting program where we are developing a game. We've called the game Cranky Uncle, but that can be used on smartphones or dumb phones, which teaches anybody, but we think we're probably going to be giving it to young adults and adolescents because they're the most likely to play games, teaches them to identify those sneaky tricks that are being used. Now, nobody wants to be tricked. Nobody wants to feel like they're being fooled, right? This is a universal a universal value, surely. And so we help them by playing this game, which has cartoon characters and a bit of humor in it, to identify those tricks, to be able to say, aha, uh-huh, just as you said, that's a fake expert. Something wrong is going on. But I thought this podcast today was an opportunity for us to just step back and say, what are a few of the things that parents or caregivers should be thinking about so that they're protecting themselves and their family against disinformation because we've seen how dangerous it can be. The first, I think you've already said, think before you share it. If you can identify some of the characteristics of misinformation, is it a little bit loud and outrageous? Is there a fake expert? Is it a conspiracy theory? And most importantly, the source. Is the source reliable? If you have those signals, then don't share. One study of people on Twitter found that 60% of shares on Twitter had not been read. Nobody had even looked at what they were sharing. They just sent it on. What about you? Do you have any, any tips for parents on how to manage this other virus that we have circulating out there? Be skeptical of headlines. The headlines can be so attractive. Investigate the source, as you said, inspect the dates. Usually they are re-hitting, we say something like two years ago and then put in a wrong context. Check the evidence, use it in the story. Consider fake photos or videos and question, question, question the information. Every day in my life, especially in social media, I want people to develop their critical sense. This is really important, especially with people that you love, the the people that surround you, the people who are important for you. And and this is a way to keep your community safe, is to teach them how to develop this. One thing that you said, it's, it's fantastic, this tool that it's being developed, like a game. One thing that I want to add It's the experience of the Finland educational system before the pandemic. They started putting inside the classes for children in different ages how to 
develop this critical sense, we do need to teach our children and adolescents how to avoid the fake news and how to avoid to spread misinformation, disinformation, whatever. This will save lives, which is more important than anything else. Yes, the Finland example is a great example. I mean, we're hoping that the game, and it's funny you mentioned that aunt, the game is called Cranky Uncle, and in, in English, at least in the English of myself and the developer, we're Australian, uh, cranky means that that snightly unpleasant, not quite angry, but never terribly happy uncle who comes to the family dinner and is always spouting the conspiracy theories and the, what, what he, he, well, he, because it's the uncle, has read on, on uh, Facebook. Our vision really is that it would be a first step towards what you've just discussed, potentially national immunization programs against mis- and disinformation, so that we're protecting people against the viruses in the real world and, and the viral disinformation in the, in the virtual world as well. We can imagine that some of the parents listening would say, well, that's very well, but how do you deal with that cranky uncle when they're at the dinner table? Well, first of all, you probably want to pick your battles. If you think it's going to be a hard game, you're unlikely to win, you may not bother to take them on. But you can listen to them and ask them a few questions to try to understand where they're coming from. Ask them about the source of their information. See if they can tell you that the source, that it's coming from a reliable source. Ask them some questions that might identify some of those characteristics of misinformation so that you can start to point out, ah, but that's a red flag. That suggests that it might be misinformation. But it is important to think about not just how critical you can be in terms of the, the mis- and disinformation that you might be exposed to, but how you can protect your family as well. Now, we've heard about vaccines, how they work, the diseases they protect us against. Do you have any tips for parents and caregivers who might be talking to their family members, their friends, perhaps are more have more questions about vaccines than they do, or even their children who might ask questions about why they're going to the pediatrician for another needle? The number one tip is make sure you are up to date yourself. You need to be an example in everything that you teach and talk to your children. Talking positively about vaccines inside your family, teaching your children and adolescents that you are taking this for you and, of course, for your family, because it's really good for the health, it's really good for the community. And secondly, you need to engage them in a conversation to teach them to act healthily, ask and listen their concerns. And the number three is be honest with them. Of course, if you talk to a children, oh, you know, we're going to get a shot. Oh, daddy, mommy, it's going to hurt. I, I don't want to take. Okay, then you can talk about your own experience because you are the superhero of your child. Whenever you get the shot, you just breathe, close your eyes, think about the place where we travel last uh, holiday after your body will construct a really good system that can combat the germs. So you need to be honest and talk and engage talking about your own experience. Those are great tips. So be, be a model, be a role model, be open, be honest, relate, be relatable. Let children know that it's normal to feel like that. One thing more, 
you let them know you are doing for their safety. It's the one, the main concerns. You want to keep them safe hmm. and of course teach them how to detect or debunk the fake news. I think they're great tips. And I, I think that's a nice point for us to, to start to wrap this conversation up that every parent wants the best for their children. It's your job as a parent, but it's also our job as the, the experts, the people that we hope that you trust and would come to for information, the pediatricians and the health workers, UNICEF, unicef.org. There's a lot of information on there for parents. And UNICEF is, is an organization of experts who really care about children. So that's a great place to go for information. Seek out those trusted and those reliable sources of information. Don't hesitate to ask questions. It's normal to have questions. It's normal to be concerned about your children. But our message for you, I think, today is that there are some terrible infectious diseases still out there. Vaccines work. They work really well and they provide very real protection for your family, for your children. So do do your best to get your children caught up if they've missed doses during the pandemic. Keep them up to date with their vaccines. As Dr. Palmieri said, keep yourself up to date with your vaccines as well, because if you're not getting vaccinated, you can't tell your children to get vaccinated. And don't hesitate to connect to sources of information like unicef.org, to your health professional, to other trusted sources to find out what you need to know about vaccination. Thank you, Angus. There are a lot of vaccines with good and new technologies nowadays that you can prevent several diseases in different ages, but for regret, there's no vaccine. So we need to act and to vaccinate. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Melissa Palmieri. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Ashley Clivery. Subscribe wherever you're hearing this so that you know when new episodes of Parenting Refreshed become available or head to the website for more information, unicef.org forward slash parenting. Whilst you're there, you'll also find other episodes in the series, including discussions around parenting and mental health. Mental health is not about feeling good. You're not mentally healthy because you feel good. Education. They're interested in making sure that their children are able to discover that their child is resilient, that their child makes friends. And technology. Try not to say no. Try to find a way for yes to be good for everyone. Mm -hmm.